So uh, it's so good to see you. I'm really excited to be here. I, um, as, as I was introduced, I am serving as the president of Elam Fellowship, and our heart's desire is to connect people who have a call on their lives. We want to connect them to their destiny. And uh, here you're discovering your call, but we're looking for people who have a call. And we're hoping to grab uh, and come alongside of you as students now, not wait until you graduate. Well, you know, we're having 13, I think, graduates uh, the third year at baccalaureate, and I'm very excited about that. And, uh, and please pray for us because we're opening the doors much wider than we've ever done before at Elon Fellowship. I'm going to be launching brand new incentives and programs and even paradigm shift of how we're trying to reach the next generation, the emerging leaders uh, that God, I believe, wants us to to link arms with. So be praying for us uh, at our conference and come alongside of us. And if you want to come and help us, we would love to have you serve with us. Uh, we need some help in that area. And uh, God is good. I love Elam uh, Bible Institute and College. I'm so grateful uh, for the staff, the faculty, and you students. And uh, I want to uh, share a message with you that kind of is embracing the theme of our conference. I've actually been preaching this message. The Lord gave me this message uh, about four years ago in Africa. And recently, it's become a part of uh, one of the messages that I preach if I go to churches. And I really felt like I wanted to give this message to you. I had a real nice, sweet little, uh, you know, kind of uh, Passion Week message for you, but I really feel like God wanted me to give you this message this morning because I think it will speak to you um, about what, what he might be wanting to do in your lives, not just Passion Week, but all the time. And uh, our, our theme for our conference coming up is Go Further. Last year, we had a theme called Contend for More, which really focused on going after all that God had for, him, uh, for us. But when we were uh, looking back over that after the conference, Go Further has more of an interest of what God wants from us. He's looking for more from us, so requiring us to go further, kind of like that second-mile mindset uh, that's in the, in the uh, Mount of Beatitudes sermon. It's, it's going after uh, more that God wants from us. Don't just have a heart uh, to say, I won't commit adultery, but he says, look, step it up a little bit and don't, don't even have adultery in your heart at all. You know, that's the go further mindset uh, that God has been speaking to um, uh, us at Elam about. And so we're going to use that as a theme to challenge all of our pastors, leaders, missionaries to step up, raise the bar. Listen, if we want to step into revival, it starts with us going further. Amen? And so, uh, but what I want to talk to you today is kind of um, a message that, that I've entitled Enlarging your capacity for greatness. I'll say that again. Enlarging your capacity for greatness. Now, when I get around Christian people, they get real spiritual with me and say, well, we're not supposed to be great. Well, that's not true. Uh, Jesus said to us, when you see the things I am doing and then you do those things, you will even do, what does he say? Greater things. Come on, say that. Greater things. God is wanting us to do greater things. He's not embarrassed about calling us to become great. In fact, the disciples, when they were arguing with each other, uh, who's going to be the greatest, Jesus never came to them and said, oh, come on, boys, don't do that. Don't be great. He said, if you're going to be great. 
He didn't say, don't be great. He said, if you're going to be great, this is the criteria that I want you to move in. I want you to be a servant in that greatness. I want you to be humble in one of the other passages. So God is calling us to be great. We just got to do it according to his uh, character, according to his plan. And so I believe God wants you to be great. I really believe that. I think you ought to be the great you that you can ever be, the greatest you you could ever be. And God has got purpose and design in your life for you to become all you're meant to be. So my word this morning is enlarging your capacity for greatness. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2, there's one verse that actually was uh, one of the first uh, verses or, if you will, prophetic words that came to my church way back when I first went to the church in 1989. Um, this, this particular um, uh, verse was bellowed out by one of our Egyptian missionaries, a missionary, a missionary in Egypt. And they, they, they basically almost quoted this verse, but they, they said it this way. But let me just read the verse. It's just one verse. Isaiah 54 Verse uh, 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Let me read that again. Ready? It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. It's interesting that Isaiah 54 is right after Isaiah 53 and right before Isaiah 55. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, and I, I went to Elam to learn that, okay? And, uh, and in Isaiah 53, I feel like we have the price of being great. It was paid, it says in Isaiah 53, a verse that we quote all the time, by his stripes we have been, okay? Isaiah 55 says it this way, it's, 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 the pain is in Isaiah 53. But I think the promises are in Isaiah 55, verses like this. My word will not return void. Or my ways are higher than your ways. Not intended to keep us from his ways, but to raise the bar so that we don't settle with our ways. He never said, my ways are higher than yours, you'll never attain this. He's saying, think higher. Go higher. I have promised for you. What I believe is happening is in Isaiah 54, we have the pain. In Isaiah 55, we have the promises. But in Isaiah 54, and, I, and, and every verse, I've, I've actually studied this thing, uh, there's almost like the process between the pain and the promise. The things that we must do. And I'm just going to preach one verse. One verse, Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let me give you three insights to becoming uh, uh, or enlarging your capacity, if you will, to become great. In other words, God wants to make you great. But I think what happens is we, if we're not careful, restrict the potential. I believe God's saying to us, number one, if you want to be enlarging your capacity for greatness, you have to clean out your space. That's right in verse 1. He says, he says uh, enlarge, not your tent. Interesting, every time I hear that word prophesied, usually it's prophesied, enlarge your tent. Never in this verse does it tell you to enlarge your tent. It says enlarge the place of your tent. 
I love the message version of this. The message version says it this way, and actually it helped me discover some real truth in there that I went looking deeper, but it says this in the message version. Clean out the lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread them out. Think big. Use plenty of rope and drive those tent pegs deep. Isn't that a cool version? Uh, And it starts with clear out the lots of ground for your tents. I'm here to tell you that if we're going to enlarge the capacity for God to do even more and greater things in us, we have to clean out our space. I was born in England. I, in 1959, uh, I was born, me and my, my, me and my sister, I have a twin sister, born on Christmas Day, 1959. Then I came to Elam and found out that my wife is born on Christmas Day, 1959. Isn't that crazy? Her name is Carol. My name is Chris, Christmas Carol. All right. You know, <clears throat> so we were made for life, though she didn't get it in the beginning. All right, moving on. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so I came to America, and in 1969, I was 10 years old. I came over on the SS United States ship, came to America. I love America. I'm an immigrant. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and I, then I became an American citizen in 1993. I was 33 years old. And, uh, but when I came to uh, live in Hampton, Virginia, uh, hey, yeah, uh, glory to God, yes. Um, okay. Um, and, uh, but when I came, it was really uh, a, a culture shock to me. Uh, my family are very British, and they, they couldn't stand America. They just didn't like it very much. In fact, we stayed a year, sold everything we had, and went back to England uh, to live. Five months later... Didn't like England. Came back to America, you know. But my dad, my dad, he, he put me in a Boy Scouts unit, uh, like, uh, like a troop, a Boy Scouts troop. And the guy, uh, his name was Larry, he was the, the scout master. And the only thing about Larry, because if you live in Hampton, Virginia, it's right near all the naval bases, marine bases, and all that kind of stuff, the army bases. Well, Larry was a military Marine drill sergeant. I joined the United States Marine Boy Scouts of America. <laughs> this guy was a Fruit Loop for, 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 for anybody's business. I mean, the guy was nuts. He, he, by the time I was 14, I had traveled and walked and hiked the whole in, uh, uh, Appalachian Trail in, in, uh, in Virginia, the state of Virginia. Listen, he sent me, or my mom and dad sent me with him and another 14-year-old to the Monongahela National Forest for a survival trip, 14. Two matches and a raincoat. I had to learn how to live off of two matches and a raincoat. They dropped me in the station wagon, blindfolded me, dropped me off and said, we want you to get back to base in uh, two days. See ya. My parents would be arrested for that today. Are you, are you, are you, t- you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, and I made it. <laughs> I'm here, <laughs> you know, and I learned how to boil water with two matches and a raincoat. I learned how to survive with this thing. But one of the things I learned from Larry was you could camp anywhere, but when you camp, you have to clean out your space. He said, clean out your space, clean out your space. 
in order to enlarge our capacity, start by cleaning out our space. There was three things I learned real quickly from Larry. You can't sleep on rocks all night long, even though Jacob did it. Because if you have a tent and you're sleeping on the ground and you're sleeping on a rock, you wake up with a backache. You need to get rid of the rocks. The second thing I learned is that field might look really nice out there, but if you pitch a tent or your raincoat out there in the middle of that field, those weeds are like knives in your back. So you have to have a sickle, you have to have a knife, and you have to step on them, and you have to, whatever you have to be able to flatten it down. The other thing you learn is if you go into a field out there, and Larry says to me, go ahead and pitch your tent right there, Chris, which was my raincoat. He said, uh, you know, there were ruts. And so when I cleaned out my space, I had to deal with ruts, uneven places. When I was preparing this message, God took me back to Larry and reminded me that in my life, if I want to enlarge my capacity for greatness, I got to get rid of rocks. I got to get rid of the things that are hard in me. I've been in ministry over 30 years now. If you're not careful, you can get hard in ministry. And it can hold you back from things that God wants to enlarge you to do. Hello? I mean, I I go to churches every Sunday, almost a different church every Sunday. And if I want an altar call, let me tell you one I can give right now. It's manipulation if you do it for this reason. But it's still... It it, it proves my point. One of the things that I see in born-again, spirit-filled Christians is unforgiveness. Because they have a hardness called bitterness that's risen up in them. And you can have an, uh, you do a sermon on unforgiveness, you'll have the altar full and you look really good. We've all been forgiven, but we hold on to unforgiveness. And if we're going to enlarge our capacity, we got to get rid of rocks. Now, I can give you illustration after illustration of things that make us hard. But let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. Because I believe God wanted me to say to you this morning, you need to enlarge your capacity for greatness. And it starts by getting rid of hard things, the rocks in your life. Another thing is the weeds. There's a parable in the Bible that talks about weeds. And it says when he cast the seed, the word of God some of that seed grew up amongst weeds. And if you read it, it says the weeds grew up, and what did it do? Choked the word. Choked the word. I pastored 27 years of a church, and there's a young man in that church who sat right where you are right now. And that man, I believe, is meant to be in full-time ministry, and I believe he's still going to be in full-time ministry. He's not yet. But one of the things that I notice about his life is when God spoke to him, I want you to be a pastor. He's allowed weeds in his life that's choked that word from the Lord. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The prophetic word of God that lines up with his written word of God is powerful. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. But we can have weeds in our life and make his word of non-effect. In other words, we can allow something to be in our life that actually can crush the most powerful thing, which is the word of God, and have non-effect in our lives. And this young man, I've, I've heard God speak to him over and over and over again. And just a simple little weed like debt 
having so much debt prevented him over and over and over again from making the decision to step into what God's got for him. Be careful of the weeds in your life. It's not the same as hard things. It's weeds. Now, the other thing I've noticed in my life and others is that up and down ruts. And I kind of feel like God pointed that to me as uh, emotions. Followers of Jesus can be some of the most emotional people in the world. Come on. Do you know any? Don't, don't look at your roommate right now, okay? I know what it's like to be around people. People, in one minute, they're ready to take on hell with a water pistol. The next minute, they're scared of a spider. And I think God wants to make us great. I think, that, I think that some of us need to get rid of the emotional ups and downs of our life and say it's time to flip the switch and be confident and enter boldly and confident in all God wants for you. Come on. So number one, the ones that clap were bold. All right, moving on. Okay. Listen, clean out your space. You want to be great? You want God to do something better in you than what he's doing right now? You want to enlarge your capacity? Look inside at the rocks. Look inside at the weeds. How are you doing in the ups and downs of life? Can you kind of, you know, that verse in, uh, I think it's Isaiah, it says that the, that the things that come down and the valleys go up, you know, and the, you know what I'm saying? If it's not Isaiah, it's because I haven't been to EBI in a while. All right, moving on. Number two, turn to somebody and say, first, clean out your space. Just turn to that person next to you. Clean out your space. Number two, I just texted my friend Nikhil. Yeah, I, I, I took him on several trips with me. And, uh, and Nikhil, he, he, he always walks around me when I... I preach this message twice in his presence. He goes, Isaiah 54. You know, that's, he calls everybody something. You know what I'm saying? So hi, Nikhil, if you listen to this. Number two, stretch out your reach. It says right here, enlarge the place, not your tent. Don't enlarge your tent. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of their dwellings. He still didn't say enlarge your tent. He said Stretch out your curtains. You know, at my house right now, if you go into our house, we have a bathroom with a shower curtain on it, right? And this morning I was there, and, 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 and it's, it's a bigger one because I bought an oversized curtain so the water doesn't come out. But, but I open it, and then I stretch out its reach when I'm finally in the shower. Sorry for that picture, okay? <laughs> and I'm, so I... I think that's the picture here, not me, the the curtain. (laughs) I think that's the picture here of what God is saying in Isaiah. Stretch out your reach. Stretch out your reach. When I I became the president of Elam Fellowship, (laughs) make Elam great again. When I became the president, it was the most scariest thing I've ever faced. I'm telling you the truth. I, 
I really did not really intend to want to be that. God had to speak to me very clearly through prophets. Stacy, my best friend, knows the journey that I went through to get this and decide it, even though the leaders were saying it. And one of the reasons is because God was beginning to say, if you do this, I'm going to stretch out your reach. You see, when I was pastoring, I had seven full-time people, about 400 people in my church at the time when this was going on. I had two services on Sunday, seven full-time staff. I came over to Elam, and all of a sudden I had 21 full-time staff. I had 977 pastors and leaders and youth leaders and all that, 188 missionaries. And I'm like, people in my church, they stretch me, but pastors really stretch me. I mean, they have more Bible to prove how wrong I am. You know what I'm saying? And it was stretching. I mean, really stretching. See, if God is going, in fact, it says in the, in the message, don't hold back. In other words, he's saying, I want to enlarge your capacity, clean out your space, but I'm going to stretch you beyond your capacity. See, listen to me. I don't, what's your name? Lucy? Come on, Lucy, give me a bump. All right, Lucy. Listen, when God made Lucy, who is a tent, who harbors the Holy Spirit, he didn't say to Lucy, add to your tent. He said, Lucy, I've created everything in you that you need for everything I've designed for you. All you got to do is stretch out your reach. You don't have to be T.D. Jakes. You don't have to be anybody else because the person I've made you to become, Lucy, is Lucy. Stretch out your reach. Come on, Lucy. And I could say that about any person in here because he doesn't want you to be somebody else's tent. He doesn't want to even add to your tent. He's already given you everything you need for godliness and goodness. You just got to stretch out your reach. I, I, I did this in a church recently. I went like this. Stretch out your reach. Stretch out your reach. Stretch out your reach. And God said, I did it for you. And I said, I got to stretch out my reach. Stretching you aren't right now, right, Toby? Stretching us. Stretching out our reach. You never stop stretching out your reach. Because he continues, Lucy, to enlarge your capacity for greatness. Mom and dad who's here for Discovery Day, that's what you want for your kids, right? Stretch out their reach. Don't just let them fit into a mold. Let them become the mold maker. Amen? Number one, what is it? Number two, number three, it says this right here. You guys are figuring it out. Here we go. I got to go. Oh, by the way, normally I would just love, you know, to stay around and talk to you all. But Toby and I have got a meeting about uh, 10, 15 minutes away from here at noon. And I'm shutting down at noon, so I'm going to be late. All right, so <laughs> that's 101 leadership right there. Be late. <laughs> And, and, and he and I are leading the meeting. <laughs> glory, to, glory to me. I mean, God. Let's move it on. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, it says right there, right? Lengthen your cords. Which, by the way, you don't lengthen your cords to hold the tent down. You lengthen your cords, according to this, to measure. Chris, don't keep measuring with a ruler. Stretch out your reach and measure with a yardstick. I'm making more things possible for you. And he says that about you. Number three, and make, excuse me, and uh, strengthen your stakes. Now, the message version says it this way, which I'm going to use that, that to help me with this point. It says it this way. Dig your tent pegs or drive your tent pegs deep. That's how it says it. Drive your tent pegs deep. If you're going to be great, clean out your space. If you're going to be great, stretch out your reach. But if you're going to be great, drive your tent pegs deep. You know, tent pegs hold a tent down. One of the things I've seen, because I, start, I started a long time ago working for large ministries. I, I, I right now could tell you the name of a person who's recently fell, who I've had dinner with many times. Um, God has graciously connected me with different leaders in the body of Christ. When people get big, you got to be careful because you see when the tent is bigger or more spread out, it catches every wind of doctrine. If you're not careful, if you don't drive the tent pegs deep, you could be blown away. The enemy would love to wait. I grew up in years that many of you wouldn't even know when some significant people were caught in adultery. Leaders, the giants of, of faithful men and even women. And, and, and the, I think the reason they fell when they got bigger is because when you're bigger, you pull more people down. Driving your tent pegs deep, two things I think it means. And again, this is just conjecture on my part. It's not in the Bible, in this verse. But it is in the Bible. Be humble. If you're going to be great, be humble. Drive humility to the ground. Continue to walk with transparency. Continue to realize that everything positive that happens, everything that increases is him. We water and plant. He causes the increase. Has nothing to do with us. Continue to remain humble. And the second side of the tent is make sure that when you're driving that tent pig, it's the word of God. You're grounded in the word of God. When I came here as a student, I didn't even take the pastoral ministry class and I wanted to be a pastor. God called me to be a pastor. I took the biblical studies uh, track because I figure I'll learn how to pastor when I get out there, but I want to know the word. And I want to learn to be grounded in the word. And the truth is I learn more out there afterwards anyway about pastoring. We need to stay humble. We need to stay grounded in the word. All right, so here's my conclusion. One of the men that God allowed me to really deeply connect to is a guy named Jack Hayford. Some of you might know him. Um, I've known him. I went to Israel with him. He came here and spoke several times. Um, he spoke in my church. God just allowed me to be connected with him. We were in Israel together, and this particular year, people were bombing over there, so nobody was going to Israel. 
And so they asked Jack if he would bring a team. And then Jack said, would you like to go with me and pastor the group? They gathered a small group of people to go. And I was in charge of the pastoring of the team. My wife was in charge of leading the worship. Uh, one day, Jack was holding her microphone as she was playing her guitar. And she said, hey, you're a nice roadie <laughs> to, to a multimillionaire, amazing, godly man. She called him a roadie. I said, I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> but anyway... We're in the mountains, and we're all over the place. And one of the things we did is we picked up rocks while we were going along. Rocks represent the hard thing. And Jack Hayford said this to me, and I'm going to give you this as as we close. Jack Hayford said there's three things we can do with rocks. Now, remember, I talked about that earlier in the message. Get rid of the rocks. Clean out your space. So apply this to, to this message. Jack said, you can throw rocks. That's what Christians do a lot. Christians throw rocks. This is how they do it. God confronts you about what it is, and you say, oh, it's not me. It's Stacy's fault. Or it's his fault. Or it's her fault. We, that's how we throw rocks. We blame everybody else, but deal with the hardness in our own life. Rocks represent the hard things. The second thing it says about rocks, Jack said this to me, is we can carry them. And we Christians do that, man. We, we do that. We do that at EBI because if you tell anybody, you get in trouble. So you hide it. And so you walk around with the weight of stuff on you. Now you come to church and you sing, he's a good, good God. <laughs> a good, good God. No, no, we don't do that. We do this. He's a good, good God. But inside, we're carrying rocks and weighed down because of bitterness. We can either throw them, we can either carry them, or Jack said this, we can build an altar with them. An altar is a pile of hard things that you just lay yourself across at the foot of the cross, set before him, and you become a living sacrifice. And I believe God wants to close this message today right now with you taking a look at a rock in your hand. If I had time, I would have picked some rocks up and brought them in and had everybody hold one. Would you stand with me? I'd like for you to pretend that you have a rock in your hand. But it's not the rock that's in your hand that's what God's speaking to you about today. It's the rock in your heart. Maybe you don't have one. Maybe you already were on an altar, and maybe you already got rid of it. So if that's not you, wait for the next time. But right now, I believe God wants you to take the rocks, the hard things. That's just, just one part of my message. Let him speak to you about the rest of it. But let me talk to you now. If there's some rock in your life right now, your temptation is to throw it at your roommate. Your temptation is to carry it. But I want you to lay it before the Lord today and say, God, here's my rock. You're the rock I want to live on. I don't want to live on this rock anymore. Amen? Amen. So you, you just, just think about that for a few more seconds, and then I'm going I'm to close this in prayer. Father, here's the rock. Oh, my goodness, that rock can weigh you down. Sometimes that rock is just a bad attitude. God, I just give you that rock today. I build an altar before you. 
Father, thank you for this student body and the teachers, faculty, and staff. We thank you for the guests that are with us with Discovery Days. And Lord, I just ask that this would be a special Easter, that we wouldn't waste your cross. We walk in the fullness of your forgiveness, not just for us, but for others. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a good day.